Good morning. It is indeed a privilege to be able to stand here before you all today, especially as an alumni of Asbury Theological Seminary. I must say that when I graduated in May, I never, ever, ever, ever thought I'd be standing in this spot. But um, I'm so grateful, and it is indeed a privilege uh, to be able to share with you. Thank you, Lindsay and Jess and Sarah, for um, leading us today. Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful. Grateful for this opportunity to stand before your people. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable unto you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2011, I was introduced to this ministry called Equipping Lydia. And I went to a retreat, and at all of our retreats, um, we're asked to consider two questions because we believe it's important to check in with your soul. One of the, question is, one of the questions is that we think about is, if I'm honest with myself today, I feel. But the second thing we're supposed to ponder on is, what are you longing for? What are you longing for? And quite honestly, in 2011, no one had ever asked me that question. And I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked you that question. What are you longing for? And I can recall taking literally almost like all day of that full day retreat, really just trying to discern what am I really longing for? And there's a little glass window, and I would sit in that window really most of the retreat, really trying to ponder this question, what am I longing for? I mean, on the surface, maybe I was longing for a clean house or, um, you know, my kids to move out of the house. But there was something a little deeper that God was stirring up in me. And so as I was listening for the answer to this question, um, I began to just really just try to discern the truth. Because, you know, sometimes you hear some answers and it's really not the truth. It's on the surface. And so as I considered the question, I heard these words. To be seen. Whew. To be seen. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And as I've asked myself over and over as a regular part of my practice, Joycelyn, what are you longing for? I've heard that response many times, to be seen. And I wondered, where did this come from? Where did this desire, this longing to be seen come from? And I believe it came from me being bullied as a little girl. When I was in elementary school, I was bullied. I mean, I'm saying to you, like, I was afraid to get on the bus, and I was afraid to get off the bus. I was afraid in my classroom. I was afraid in my neighborhood. Things were said to me that were harsh and nasty. You know, kids can be cruel. And they had all of these misperceptions of me. They would say these things about me, and I'd be thinking, but that's not true. But that's not true. And I would be wondering, like, why would they be saying these things about me? And then finally, I had to come as I got a little older, I realized it's because they really didn't see me. They didn't 
see me. And so I believe that that's when this whole longing to be seen began to give birth in my, um, in my heart. And I believe that there are many people who are longing just to be seen. And I'm not talking about like physically, even though that is important. So let me just put a little pin right there. That's really important to be seen. My son told me a story about, he works at a, a local gym. And he told me a story about a man, an older man, about 70 years old, who would come into the gym. And he said, normally I would just check him in and he would come in. But I noticed that his name had an initial. And so I wanted to make sure that the um, computer was right. So I asked him, now, are you, and we'll change his name for the sake of this recording. But, you know, are you, are you Jay? And he's like, no, you, you can just call me Joe. And so my son said, well, then I just started speaking to Joe every time he would come in. Well, hello, Mr. Joe. How are you doing today? How was your weekend today? And he was doing this with this gentleman for about a week. The following week, the man comes in with some brownies. I thought it was cute that he's coming into a gym with some brownies. <laughs> but the man comes in with some brownies and he hands uh, my son and he says to the team, I am so thankful for the way you all interact and engage with me. It's like coming and being a part of a family. You know what I believe? I believe this man felt he was seen. He had been noticed. And there's a popular movie, I won't say the name of it, but there is a line, and I will even paraphrase it, where it says, I believe God gets a little angry when you walk past the color purple and you don't notice it. Well, I wonder if God gets angry when we walk past one another and we don't notice one another. We don't see one another. We don't see the Imago day in one another. I believe it might disappoint him. And I want to encourage you today that it is important to see people on the physical level. Just when you walk past, I was just in the airport not too long ago, and I just was so dumbfounded at how many heads were down and nobody was looking up and nobody was engaged with one another. They weren't seeing one another. We are people who are called to see. See what God is doing and see one another. And so as I go back to my story of this longing to be seen, I want you to know that this longing is to be seen um, made me think about the misperceptions because that's what it was. You know how you get mis misperceived, and um, you realize that some people just really don't know you. I, I can recall a time when I was at a library, and it wasn't Asbury's library, and um, I was trying to check out, this is going to date me, uh, I was trying to check out a cassette player. For those of you all who know, you know, cassette player. With the earphones, and the woman was a little rude because she said I couldn't check it out overnight because they only had two. And I was like, what? And so what I decided to do was, trying to do the WWJD moment, well, what would Jesus do? I decided to buy some cassette players and donate them to the library. And so I brought these cassette players and I donated them to the library. And I want you to know that this woman called my boss. And my boss called me into the office and he reprimanded me for buying those cassette players, saying that I was trying to be smart or something. I couldn't even get it. But you know what I realized? I'd been working for this boss. She didn't, she didn't see me. She didn't see me. And that's why I love 
this story about this woman. I know that I had you all read two passages, and on the surface it looks like, I mean, it is the same same story. And there are some scholars that would tell you that they're not the same woman. I tend to believe that, that, it, that they are, because if they're not, then that means they were copycatting off of one another or something. It just wouldn't make sense for them uh, to have the same story with these same details and it be two different people. But it's possible. But I choose to believe that it's one uh, depiction. And so I really resonate with this woman's story. And I resonate with her story because I believe that in her culture, she was not seen. She was invisible. She lived in a time where men were praying and just saying, thank you, Lord, for not making me a woman. She lived in a time where women were not to be seen. They were even not to be heard. However, she was living her life out loud because she was considered to be this sinful woman, this harlot. And as I read her story, I thought, wow, I bet you she was bullied. I bet you she had some longings. I bet you she had a longing to be seen, but not physically seen, not in a way where she could join the Me Too movement or get um, whisked off as, you know, because you think if she was in this lifestyle, she was being humanly trafficked. She probably wanted somebody to see her soul, and I could resonate with that. Because you know what? There's not too many people who I think are really willing to see us. I can only think of one or two people in my life that really see me, that I can just be me with them. Do you have anybody like that in your life? So this woman, I believe that she... Um, wanted. She was longing to be seen. And that's why I believe that actually before we enter into the text, I believe that she had an encounter with Jesus before she showed up in that house. It was an encounter previous that I believe made her be compelled and bold and courageous enough to go into a home full of probably men and pour some ointment over this teacher and to wipe her feet with her hair and to let her tears wash his feet. She had to have had an encounter with him first, and I get that, because that's why I do what I do today, because I had an encounter with Jesus. And I think about that this woman who had this encounter with Jesus, she goes into this house, she's wiping his feet with her hair, her tears are being, she's crying, and you know what happens? No one says, woohoo. I'm so glad you are doing what you're doing. You're doing what we all... No, she was admonished. She was rebuked. She was not seen. Really, what she was was she was invisible. See, the people in the room, they were focused on the broken alabaster box, but they weren't focused on her brokenness. They didn't see her soul. They were so ministry-minded. You know, they were caught up in, oh, this, this perfume could have been used for ministering to the poor. You know, they were so ministry-minded that they missed a ministry opportunity. Do you realize that? Doing ministry had made them blind. 
They were blind to her brokenness and they were blind to her motives. They were blind to the value of her gifts. She was in that room surrendering her everything. They were worried about profit. If you read another text, it says Judas was really concerned. He wasn't worried about profit. Simon the leper was worried about whether Jesus was a prophet, and she could care less whether she got a prophet. She just wanted to be before the prophet because she'd had an encounter with him, and she wanted to give her all. And this past weekend, I was, I was talking to some women who had been in ministry, and I was really sad to hear some of their stories because these women who had been called into ministry, who had been called to preach and to pastor, who really knew that they had heard the voice of the Lord, they were compelled to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Had been, some of them had been given, sent um, hate letters saying, you're going to hell because you're preaching the gospel. You're going to hell because you want to be a pastor. And I thought, there are a whole lot of other things a person could go to hell for. But man, the... Some people are so ministry-minded, so they, they're so focused on the way ministry could be done or should be done that they don't realize there are other ways ministry could be done through this woman. And I thought about my own story of where I had a pastor who had, um, he had, his goal was to have prayer as his theme for the whole year. Prayer is where my sweet spot is. And I thought, oh, this is great. I just finished an assignment called the School of Prayer. I will bring the School of Prayer to his church. So I created a little, pro, you know, a little um, uh, presentation, and I sat down with him and his wife, my husband and I, and we talked to them for hours because we know them. And I was saying, I could bring the School of Prayer. We could, uh, I could teach on prayer in your little chapel in the church where you're at. And, I mean, we, we spent a few hours talking. At the end of my presentation, do you know what he asked me? Well, what are we going to do about this call? What? I'm like, you're called into the ministry, and I don't really believe women can be called. So if I let you come and do this school prayer, like, how do we deal with this calling? And I thought, wow, he doesn't see me. This is not an option what I'm being called to do. And I believe that the woman didn't believe that what she was doing was an option. They had decided to set their parameters around the way the perfume could be used to feed the poor, get money for the poor. And this woman came in with a fresh idea. Women do have fresh ideas, you know. <laughs> she had a fresh idea the way, for the way ministry could be done. And she was pouring this Perfume on the feet of Jesus. She was ministering to Jesus. Jesus was in the room and they were clueless about how to minister to the master. She had moved into another realm. She had stepped outside of the box. Why? She had had an encounter. Let me tell you, when you have an encounter with Christ, you will do some things. You will step outside of the box you won't care about who's looking. You won't care about who's watching. Your focus will be ministering to the master, surrendering all that you have. That's why I can identify with this woman. She was sitting there. She was crying. She was ministering to Jesus. Jesus. 
I believe that it's because she knew he saw her. And I think about the times when I knew that God saw me. And I'm trying not to cry. But I can think of times in my life where God saw me. I remember in 1985, I had been dating a guy and we broke up. But yet I was really close to his family, his mom, his sisters, his three sisters, his nephew. And I was supposed to go stay all night with his sister the day after Christmas. I was going to go Christmas night and stay all night with her. But it snowed just enough that I couldn't go and my mom wouldn't let me go. And the next day, all of them were killed in a car accident. The mom, the three sisters, the nephew. And the only person that survived was a three-year-old little girl. And in some way, I see that God, he spared me. Because I know I would have been in that car had I gone to Angie's house the night before. And I believe God was watching me. He was seeing me. And then in 1993, my mom was sick. She had cancer. And um, I can recall sitting in the hospital room. And I had a um, Bible that had scripture in the back. And, and it would be like, you know, whatever that date was, August the 4th. And it would have a scripture. And every single day from the time I walked into that hospital room from October the 4th to October the 24th, there was a word for me specifically in that Bible. And I was sitting there, and as I look back, I think, God saw me. And then I can remember coming to seminary and trying to figure out, is this really what I should be doing? And I'm standing in the student center, and I'm waiting in line to eat. And I look up on the wall, and there is a picture that looks exactly like the placemats in my kitchen. And I said, hmm, I'm at home. You know what that means? God, he saw me. And even today, I've been singing the Lion of Jew. He, he's a lion and the lamb. I've been singing that the last 24 hours. What were they playing? See, God has a way of showing you that he sees you. Do you know when God sees you? This woman knew, I believe, that Jesus had seen her. And although she was being admonished, she did not stop anointing his feet with her hair. She did not stop wiping his feet with her tears. She did not stop anointing him, even though she was being rebuked. And my encouragement to you today is, as leaders, you're going to be rebuked. You're going to have some people who aren't going to get what you do, but don't stop. Hang in there. And she was hanging in there. And you know what happened? Jesus affirmed her. If you go into, um, uh, let me make sure it's the right one. I think it's Mark 14. Jesus says to her, in the translation just read, it says she was doing a good service. But there's a translation that says, leave her alone. What she's doing is beautiful. She's doing a beautiful thing to me. And I was thinking about this trip I just came off of. We went to Estes Park in Colorado. And we were getting out of the van, and everybody was talking about how beautiful it was. And I had just come from uh, having bronchitis. I actually was still in the throes of having bronchitis. And I had been coughing. And I really, quite frankly, couldn't breathe. And Colorado has thin air. And we're getting out of the car. And everybody is talking about, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And you know what? I couldn't take in the beauty 
because I was focused on breathing. I was too sick to see the beauty around me. And I want to say to you today, some people may not see the beauty in what you're doing. It could be they're just too sick. It could be they're so focused on just trying to breathe. Don't take it personal. Continue to minister to Jesus. Continue to wipe his feet with your tears. Continue to wipe his feet with your hair. Continue to anoint his head with oil. Don't stop because someone doesn't see that what you're doing is beautiful. You know, when I had that WWJD moment, I thought, I'm just trying to donate some cassette players to a library. They didn't see the beauty in that because they were so focused on their own agenda. And so that's what I love about this story because it shows us the good news is that Jesus saw the woman. He, he affirmed her. And I learned this past weekend, there is a difference between being affirmed and advocated. You know, in this affirmation, Jesus says to, um, she says, he says to the Pharisee or to Simon the leper, he says, um, you know, do, do you see this woman? Now, mind you, he was the host, right? He said, you didn't give me any water for my feet. She's wetting my feet with her tears. She, you didn't give me a kiss. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I got here. You didn't put any oil on my head. She's pouring perfume on my feet. She was exhibiting acts of hospitality and humility. And Simon the leper, he was worried about, does, she realize who's does he realize who's touching her? You know what Jesus did? And that's why he told Simon that little story. He said, well, let's talk about that. And the, the moral of the story is the one who was forgiven much, loves much. The one who is forgiven much, loves much. She is compelled out of her love. I used to think it was courage. I thought, man, she had a lot of courage. No, it really wasn't the courage that really compelled her. It was her love that compelled her. Simon was focused on the wrong thing. And you know, I thought it interesting. He was a leper, and I don't know whether he was healed. It didn't say whether he was healed. Simon, if he was a leper, he hadn't been touched in a while. And perhaps he was looking and saying, hmm, would he let me touch him? And maybe that's why people are concerned about what you're doing, because they're looking at themselves saying, hmm, Will he give me a fresh idea? I see him do it for them. Hmm. I thought it interesting that this woman became an example for this man. We are called to be examples for one another. We are called to be the ones that show hospitality and humility so that other people can see it. Not only did Jesus affirm her by saying that what you're doing is beautiful, 
She was doing everything right. What she was doing was beautiful. Ministry is a beautiful thing when it's done out of love. And so he didn't just say that she was doing something right. Then what he did was, and this is a part of the scripture that I absolutely, this is why this had to be in there. It's because he advocated for her. In this past weekend, we, I heard the story of a bishop who talked about how he moved from affirming women to advocating women. And he said, you know, I used to say that it's okay for women to, to be a pastors, and I'd say that it's okay for them to preach. He said, but I realized I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't opening any doors. I wasn't actually bringing them alongside me. And I thought, wow, there's a difference. Jesus in this text is advocating. He says, look, what she's doing is beautiful. And it's so be- beautiful wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. Wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. He's saying, I'm going to include her in my story. She's got a legacy. She is going to be remembered, no longer invisible. Before she was this invisible woman, now she's going to be an unforgettable woman. Praise the Lord. But what I find interesting is whenever I hear the gospel preach, I rarely hear anyone talk about her story. And I don't know whether that's literal or figurative. But I do believe it invites us to be reminded that there are some people who get left out when we're preaching, when we're ministering. And Jesus is saying, when... I, when I am proclaimed, the fact that this woman's calling was to prepare me to be buried, that needs to be told. Your story needs to be told. I was just talking to the gentleman. We were talking about how when you're preaching, why not insert some of your own story? What has God been doing for you? That's what people really want to know. And that's why I can relate to this woman's story. Because I'm included. Jesus sees me. Jesus knows me. And he knows you. And I want you to know today as you prepare to come to the table that Jesus sees you. He sees you. Whatever you're experiencing, In those places where you feel invisible, where no one is watching, he sees you. He sees you. He feels your tears on his toes. He can feel your hair on his feet. The oil is dripping from his head. He sees you. And as you go out, as you proclaim the good news, he will not allow you to be invisible. You will be seen because he's watching. And your ministry will bear fruit. You won't be forgettable. You will become unforgettable. But not for your own glory, but for his glory alone. And so I invite you today to be in confidence. Live in confidence in knowing that Jesus sees you today.